0: Today, what we're going to be talking about is this thing called integral uh, theory, and it's going to be related to spiral dynamics. And I'm not going to be spending a huge amount of time actually talking about the, the theory itself, um, and it only because that would take up a huge amount of time. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it, and it's gonna we'll be circling around it. But what I really want to do throughout these the series, this presentation, is to talk about how understanding these different developmental levels, both, both in the micro, uh, individually, but also the macro. It can be very important for us to understanding the world we live in uh, politically and theologically, spiritually, let's say, but also um, what it might look like to live from a place of open-heartedness, real open-heartedness. And I I think we'll find that real open-heartedness has a certain characteristics that would be fairly congruent with some of the more developed stages that we're going to get into. Okay? Um, So the the kind of integral theory that I'm going to be talking about is... As I said, based in spiral dynamics, it's based in some of what Ken Wilber developed um, in his integral philosophy. And it's also based in some of uh, Stephen McIntosh's work, who was a student of Ken Wilber, but then branched off and really developed some pretty easy to understand terms that coincide with a lot of what is being talked about. Um, oftentimes in podcasts these days. So I hope that this will be an interesting presentation for everyone. And I do invite people to weigh in. Um, And all you gotta do is uh, just raise your hand. And if I don't see anybody, uh, maybe Troy could, if you could call on them for me or just interrupt, because I'd I'd love it to be also a dialogue as we just kind of go through And then I will pause from time to time and ask if anybody has any comments or or, uh, questions. Not that I would know the answers. (laughs) We can
1: all raise our hands by going to reactions and there's a a hand you can put up there under reactions. It's not dependent on me seeing it then.
0: Okay, that'll work.
1: All right. Um,
0: One of the things that I think is important for us to begin with is to understand um, different biases and worldviews. So we're really getting started kind of at a foundational level, biases and worldviews. Um, a bias is an inclination or lens from which we view reality and biases help shape our worldviews. And so we're going to be talking about different biases here in, in a few minutes, but I should ask, what is a worldview? Well, um, according to Stephen McIntosh, he, he defines a worldview as a coherent set of values and ideals that persists across multiple generations. A coherent set of values and ideals that persists across multiple generations. And why these two things are important is because they shape the very way that you and I view reality. And then also, I think it, it, it'll become clear as the great uh, discord or disorder that we seem to be experiencing in our third density experience here in space-time uh, is often worldviews that are colliding and competing with each other. Okay? and and believe it or not this has to happen it's not a, it's not a sign of um, a huge sign of great problems from a from a, you know the 40,000 foot comic a cosmic view <laughs> fairly comic too I'm sure uh, but these things have to happen just in the same way is that a child growing up takes a long time to grow up and has to fail you know, lose and then renew, loss and renewal, loss and renewal, falling and, and rising over and over and over again. And it makes us the people that we are. But at the same time, at least in, in psychology, certainly we can see that there are such things as becoming fixated in a stage and not being able to move past them, um, kind of repeating the same patterns where we might be Needing to move into a a different or more mature developmental level But we're not able to for some reason So I think there is some argument to be said that at least at the third density level We do have some stagnation. We even have some regression and we're going to be talking a little bit about that But I I am going to say at the front here. I don't consider myself a um, An expert in spiral dynamics nor in integral theory (laughs) these are my syntheses and I, and I, I probably, well, I'll say that they're pretty distorted just from the outset. And it's very likely that you guys might know um, even more than what I'm talking about here. So I would love to learn from you. Um, All right. So worldviews, what the two things that worldviews do is that they give us at the macro scale, the big scale here, Cultural agreements of what is good, true, and beautiful and it, and through those cultural agreements of what is good, true, and beautiful it gives us meaning to reality and helps us to understand the world so think of the 1950s America of what was held as the good, true, and beautiful and some of you um, some of you might remember the 1950s or 1960s. Certainly you were alive when your parents were, were coming up in the 40s and 50s um, or earlier. And so you would have memory of of what their worldview was and what they felt was good, true, and beautiful. And then compare that worldview to um, some of the worldviews that are happening today and some of the clashes that seem to be occurring Because sometimes worldviews are good, and what they're, and then other worldviews are fighting them and trying to change them. And there's some good things in worldviews that need to be preserved. But at the same time, in every worldview, there's a huge amount of shadow. And here's the tricky thing is that when you're in the worldview, you don't see usually the shadow that is inside your own worldview and so we're going to be talking about that too so the next thing i'd like to just jump into here is this thing called biases all right biases there are several different biases that um sociologists and psychologists have identified and i'm going to talk about just a few of them that i feel are very Present in our third dent an earth third density experience um, Particularly i'd say in well since my experience is in the united states. I would I would say in in this particular country, but um, I guess I can make a general assumption that it's fairly uh, common elsewhere too so The first biases that is important to understand is uh, this biases called a conspiracy biases, conspiracy bias. And one way to understand what a conspiracy bias is, is under stress or shame, we are attracted to stories that relieve us, exonerate us or portray us as innocent victims of malicious conspirators that's what a conspiracy bias is in other words it is a particular way to view the world from the moment we get up in the morning to the moment we go to sleep people will have a bias of seeing everything from the lens of conspiracy that that whatever we whatever is happening to us or whatever we see on the news uh, all of this is going to be done by a, mal- a malicious conspirator. And certainly we see in the new age communities, um, you know, in the disclosure communities, particularly, you'll see people uh, waking up and going to bed. And every single second in between are are thinking about how there's a great cabal or the Illuminati or something like that that's controlling everything. So, um And I know a lot of people that have these particular lens and it's very destructive if there is, but I I think specifically with a conspiracy bias, what we're talking about is that, um, there is a great shadowy kind of entity made of a collective of people that are controlling everything else, all of our daily life and reality.
2: But I'm normally, what I was trying to ask, I don't normally have that bias. I only get that bias when I'm tired and I feel like I'm being attacked from somebody. And then I tend to get these biases that are not normally mine. Does that make sense at all?
0: Yeah, well, we are all going to be very, very um, falling into the tendency of a bias, especially when we're under stress or shame. Okay. Yeah. Thank so, you. yes. Thank that you. Makes, for
2: That makes sense. Thank you.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so the conspiracy bias is, is rampant in our culture. And it's, I think it's one way that we stay stuck in third density thinking, uh, usually because we will end up pointing the finger and scapegoating people. And it's not to say that there aren't true conspiracies. I'm not saying that either. I'm not being naive about this. But I am saying that conspiracy bias, to see the world from the level of everything is uh, somehow construed by a malicious entity or cabal, uh, that it's a very real worldview and conspiracy bias of many people. Uh, And largely in the New Age communities, too, you'll see. But also, you'll see this in all uh, areas of the worldviews that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. So another bias that we're moving into is a bias called the complexity, simplicity bias, complexity, simplicity bias. And this bias is what we would prefer. The brain would prefer a simple falsehood to a complex truth. We, We would, the brain It's easier for the brain to understand black and white answers, good and bad, uh, rigid categories of good and bad, and that is much easier than a complex, nuanced truth, because usually com- truths like this are pretty complex, big truths, and they're not sexy, they're not it, it, it's hard to take sides when a truth is really expressed in this complex manner. It's much easier to say, um, it's much easier to believe a, a simple but loud and confident lie. So that's complexity, simplicity, bias. where Our brains are programmed not by the cabal, but by evolution. Um to look at truth from the simplicity bias standpoint okay Um, another bias that's important is the confidence bias so this kind of goes hand in hand with the one i just talked about the confident bias confidence bias uh, is i am attracted to confidence even if it is false and i often prefer the bold lie to the hesitant truth and what I mean by that, the, the hesitant truth, is that by the time you might know the complexity and the nuances of a truth, if you were to say that out loud, n- no one would be interested in what you have to say. A <laughs> few people would be that interested in what you have to say. And so oftentimes people who might see more complexly Uh, don't bother to say it out loud because you're just going to get attacked. People aren't ready for the complexity of the truth. They would prefer a confident, um, very confident, bold lie that's proclaimed by confident, bold liars, people who are able to produce their truth in a confident and bold way, um, especially if there's no nuance or ability to see other sides then you're you're going to be in the presence of somebody who is really dealing with a lot of confidence bias and we will be attracted to them too so we we'll, we need to see that in ourselves um two more the next one is what's called confirmation bias and this one's a big one too uh we judge new ideas based on the ease with which they fit in with our, and confirm our standard view and what we already believe. Um, yeah, I just want to pause here. Sonia, you had a question. Yeah. Uh, um, I was Could you uh, I, I can barely hear you. I don't know if you're away from your phone. Be yeah. Can anybody, connect? no one can hear you. Oh, wow. But we want to hear what you have to say.
2: Yes, yeah. can you hear me?
0: Oh. Well, talk, yeah, just talk and see if we can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Barely. what was the difference between the second the complexity simplicity bias and the third one the confidence bias is that what you're asking Yeah. okay got it um they're they're very close to the same but they're subtly different so the first one the complexity simplicity bias is that uh people are going to be attracted to a simple answer or a simple way to look at things as opposed to a to see things in a very complex way uh so for example can anybody think of something that people might say that's really really simple it's a simple simplicity bias can anybody think of something like that that we prefer a simple falsehood to a complex truth can anybody give an example it's fake news okay it's fake news
1: simple explanation and uh When in fact, there may be some truth, maybe it's, it's spun a little bit and maybe we could correct the spin. That's too complicated to explain. It's just fake news.
0: Good. Or another one I can think of, um, and this would be revealing my own bias, but that is uh, the COVID, the COVID is um, false. It doesn't exist. It's not real you know, or COVID was created by the cabal. Um, now, I don't have any of those facts, but it's real simple just to throw those things out there instead of seeing it more, much more complexly. Um, so that would be complexity and simplicity bias. And then uh, another one I can think of, complexity, simplicity bias, is if you see somebody who maybe is a kind of jerk for example, um, or maybe even a narcissist, you know, but it would be easy to label them as negative maybe. Uh, but then you learn about their life growing up and how hard it was for them. And maybe they suffered trauma after trauma, you know, and just really, really rough life. So we could label them as just idiots, don't want to have much to do with them simplicity bias or we can see them from a, a a more complexity place but the confidence bias that's the one that is the third one that i was talking about and that's where uh you might have a leader standing up and just saying this is how it is folks they're out to get me it's they are they are doing this to me they are all liars they're all wrong you know that kind of thing um and you're going to believe it. Oftentimes, we're going to be very attracted to confident leaders who boldly proclaim and really exploit the simplicity bias. So, yeah, the, the confidence bias people can exploit the simplicity bias. Okay, uh, moving on now to the confirmation bias. So, again, we will judge new ideas based on the ease with which they fit in. and confirm the only standard view that we have. So any old ideas, old information and trusted authorities. um, As a result, our framing story or belief system or or paradigm excludes whatever doesn't fit in. So confirmation bias would be uh, if I'm hearing new ideas, then I'm going to be able to put them in and fit them in, into my worldview. uh, And I'm going to make it happen. And and if it's going to fit into my old ideas and old information, and if it's done by trusted authorities, then I'm going to believe it, even if I haven't thought, thought it through or do critical thinking. But if I'm given something that is outside of my old way of thinking and old information, I'm going to reject it. Just throw it out. So just as an example, like aliens don't exist. Aliens don't exist. If they did, we'd know. Um, And nothing that I see uh, in research shows conclusively to me that aliens exist. That would be a confirmation bias. Doesn't fit into what our old standard of thinking is. Um, And we all have confirmation bias. We all are selective by the things that we actually hold as true and believe. So this is not uh, to get upset at us ourselves, but it is to become aware of just how operative these things are. And then the last bias that I, are the second to the last bias that I wanted to talk about is the community bias. The community bias, it's almost impossible to see what our community doesn't or can't or won't see. So, for example, um, whatever community that we belong to, religious or spiritual or disclosure communities or (laughs) whatever communities we belong to and, and we have, maybe our parents have, Or maybe we're rejecting our parents' community and we're into our own community. Regardless, it's extremely difficult to see what our community doesn't or can't or won't see. So maybe think about your own communities of origins and what are you able to see that they couldn't see, that they wouldn't agree to. But when you were younger, it would be very difficult perhaps to see outside of that small container until we grow. But when you're inside that community, it's very difficult to see what, uh, what our community can't or won't see. And if you do see something, then you're often um, seen as a threat or a problem to that. I remember when I was... Uh, more involved with the disclosure communities uh, a few years ago. And I would write an article or two, or I would say something to some of the leaders there regarding uh, how I felt that what was being talked about a certain fact, I just couldn't believe it. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't think it was true. Or the whole way in which the disclosure communities would operate from the conspiracy bias and the simplicity bias and the confidence bias and confirmation bias and when i would say these things um as a point not not in a um mean way but just raising the questions um w- more than once i was seen as a threat to the community that i was i'd even been labeled as an info agent from the cabal <laughs> that infiltrated the the disclosure communities so um yeah it's very difficult to see outside of the community bias Okay, um, And then the last bias I want to talk about that I think is also really important, especially where we are at these days, and is called the um, conservative-liberal bias. The conservative-liberal bias. And uh, there's some decent research now um, these days on the conservative-liberal bias. And so I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that um the conservatives do see the world differently than liberals and liberals see the world differently than conservatives and uh can you guys see me okay yeah okay um because i seem to have lost i had to open up a, a website. So I've I've lost being able to see you
3: guys. Yep. yep, we can see you.
0: Okay. Okay. I won't be able to see anybody raise their hands because I'm I'm actually reading something. So if someone raises their hands, just interrupt me, please. Um Yeah, the conservative liberal bias see the world differently. So the liberals see the, the and this is not my words. This is done by um some researchers. So liberals tend to see through a nurturing parent window they see the world through a nurturing parent window and conservatives tend to see through a strict father window okay um liberals value moral arguments based on justice and compassion so liberals, again, value moral arguments based on justice and compassion, whereas conservatives often place a high value on arguments based on purity, loyalty, authority, and tradition. So I'll say that again because it's, it's important to see. Um, conservatives often place a high value on purity, loyalty, authority, and tradition. So if, if you're actually listening to people in your life that are more liberal minded, um, when they're talking about the world, their worldview, or they're upset about um, social justice issues or, or something like that, you'll often hear them talking a little bit more from uh, wanting uh moral justice like they're going to they have moral arguments based on justice and compassion so they're really high on compassion um and oftentimes this is brain structures you know that there's the brain actually looks a little bit different um from uh hardwired a little bit in different ways from liberals and conservatives and there's a nurturing parent window. But from the other side, the conservatives, again, this is a, some people are even arguing you're kind of born into this. Not, it's not necessarily a worldview that you adopt. I mean, surely there's going to be nature and nurture uh, involved here. But some people are going to see the world through a strict father lens and their high value is purity the purity of something, and the loyalty to the group, and authority and tradition. And here's the interesting thing, is that the conservative-liberal bias is present in all of us. We just have to wake up and see from which bias do we actually operate most from, because a kind of open-hearted bias, (laughs) if we could call it that way, a law of one bias perhaps, would be one that is knows when it's important to see the world from the eyes of a nurturing parent, um, where moral arguments should be based on justice and, and to have deep compassion. But oftentimes liberals play those up to the detriment of the good conservative values, because there are some really good conservative values. Things like uh, loyalty, loyalty to a group, loyalty to an idea, um, authority. Authority is not a bad word. Oftentimes, liberals are very upset, or they, they very they feel very threatened by the word authority. But authority itself, even in fourth density, Ra talks about how um, they they in imply that there are um, hierarchies even within fourth density um, where the more polarized groups uh positive groups will actually seek out the less polarized groups and and sort of minister to them so that eventually in fourth density you have this unification of hearts that form in what's called a social memory complex. But fourth density is going to have a governmental type, um, structure that it's just the nature of, of having a civilization. You have to, there are authority figures and and authority is perfectly fine. It's how one uses their authority is the important thing. But a lot of people who have a conspiracy bias, will automatically throw out anything with the word authority on it. Um, And lastly, the conservatives have a wonderful um, value in tradition, a sense of continuity, a sense of uh, large community that spans generations. It's very important to have these kinds of things because if we grow up, Um, and we're just thrust into what we're going to be calling later on a postmodern world Or a liberal world view without having some sense of tradition that we're connected to a larger body um of people That we that we are able to trace our belief systems in some way to uh, Something that transcends my little family of origin if we don't have that It is very hard to actually grow roots people who don't have much practice in honoring tradition don't grow roots deeply very easily and and then you'll see them in their 30s and 40s but even beginning in the late 20s where they may say all the right things they may have progressive ideas they may really want to help people but there's um uh, there is not a lot of practice in self-discipline or seeing themselves within a group and working for the betterment of the group. Um, they may be looking just for the betterment of their own self. Um, but they don't grow roots then inside of a community. And that can be hard when they start to hit middle age because the, the soul and the spiritual stages of middle age, want to be able to transcend identity and, and end up giving back to communities. So anyway, tradition is an important thing. Um, and that's why we're gonna be, we are talking about these biases and world worldviews today, because um, it really will set the stage for our further work coming up when we talk about um, the s- distinct worldviews that are, at play on the world stage right now so i'm going to pause here and just ask if anybody has any thoughts or questions so far hi michael i
2: have just a quick question yeah. on uh, confirmation bias um the, well i think this is the, the what would be called confirmation bias i noticed that um gosh okay maybe someone says oh you don't need to wear a mask they don't work at all you know and they're really they're the non-mask perspective and what then then what i notice is that person who does that goes out and seeks any sort of alternative might not be on the mainstream media but other forms that will confirm that belief about masks so you have Especially during these times, I see a lot of uh, people who stand firm on those opinions and and they go, yes, here, I read it there, read it there, read it there, you know, Um, versus maybe looking at a bigger picture and on that type of thing, you could find all kinds of information for or against using that as just a subject. So is that a confirmation bias?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's conspiracy bias. It's all these biases playing in together for sure. But I think that the leading, excuse me, the leading edge would be confirmation bias there.
2: Yeah. Like looking for like-minded people or looking for like, like like-minded information. Yeah. Okay. All right. That
0: was it. Yeah. And I know like right after, you know, when COVID first hit and, uh, I'm not an apologist for the CDC, you know, I think that the CDC is, uh, my particular bias is that they're trying their best, um, but they they have made some mistakes, you know, in certainly public messaging. Um, but one of the issues is that for COVID, for example, uh, humans were seeing science take place the scientific process take place in vivo, live. You know, usually a lot of this stuff happens over a long period of time behind the closed doors of the science lab, for example. So when people come and ready for a, a vaccine or they come out for preventative measures, it will have been studied more. But when COVID first hit, you know, that's when you had a lot of what seemed like flip-flopping. Masks, yes. Masks, no. Masks, sometimes. What What's the real deal here? We should spray everything. Spraying doesn't work. You know, and people just kind of flip-flopping. Well, if I'm a conspiracy-biased person, I'm automatically going to think that it was the cabal, you know, or something like that. And then, number two, the confirmation bias is that when the CDC is saying one thing and then flipping, um, instead of being able to see that as a complex, th- th- there's a huge complexity here that science is trying, we're, th- we're doing the scientific method in front of everybody this time instead of behind <laughs> the closed doors of the lab. Um, it'll be, it's too, it's, I can't handle the complexity of it that it's the scientific method. So I'm not going to be attracted to just hearing that we are learning, we're we're trying to gather data and making our best guess vis-a-vis data. Um, And then we're going to be very likely to follow leaders who are saying, it is a conspiracy, it is a problem. So we're going to be moving towards that confidence bias that they're giving out. Uh, Fred, you had a question?
3: Uh, yeah i had a question hopefully you guys can hear me i was out finishing my run and hopefully it's not too windy can you hear me sure okay great uh my question is this is that with all of these biases uh that we that that are just present that are just realities uh would you say that uh the work of like efficient soul work so the work of 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 maturing the soul The whole purpose is to find balance or proper balance between the the two um, polarizing opposites. Can you give me an example? So in other words, uh, you know, conservative versus liberal. And uh, I heard, you know, one guy that I like to listen to, Tony Campolo. he he would say this people would ask him you know what are you conservative or liberal what are you you know republican or democrat he'd say name the issue and i'll tell you what i am to where so he's like i don't i don't give my whole you know energy and soul and loyalty to one particular party because it depends on me to me it's more of the issue and so as a result i kind of adopted that whole thing of just saying okay Tell me the issue and I'll tell you where I stand because I'm trying to seek balance between the two polar opposites.
0: Yeah, well, I I certainly think that's a discerning uh, point of view, and that's good. And if that's what you do, um, I think that's good, too. One of the things that I would say is that neither party is going to present a complexity bias very much, but there are parties, perhaps there are some ways in which people are good about articulating some levels of complexity versus other uh, people who would just be very simple and confident right. and bold. Um,
3: right, well, Well. okay, so even like the complexity versus the, the bold or the simplicity, okay, uh, well, where I'm saying is okay if if I want to do soul work, if I want my soul to grow and to mature, the goal is to find the balance between the two and for and hold both loose, but hold both um, extremes loosely. So, cause uh, you know, and I think like okay, so theologically, you look in the Old Testament the Proverbs, the wisdom teachings, it really kind of poo-poos on the idea of simplicity. It's like, you know, simplicity from that standpoint is saying, yeah, you're naive, and naivete can get you, you know, messed up every time. So it's, you know, being wise as serpents, harmless, and doves, type thing. So learning that, and then, of course, you can get so wise, uh, that you become a fool because you're seeking out the power. So how do you find the strike of balance of having a simplicity of daily bread seeking? And so you're not power grabbing. Uh, so, so once again, finding a strike of balance. That's what I was trying to... Yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> I think, I don't know if this is the right way to look at this, uh, but what I try to do is first realize that I lean in one direction or another. <laughs> not just the conservative liberal, but also um, conspiracy bias and all of these biases we all have. And anybody you talk to, even if they're super progressive or super conservative, they're gonna have these biases. It's kind of like you don't get through being a human without them. So it's not a matter of not having them. but The biases that we have um, are are sort of surface layer in a sense that they help us to form our understanding of reality. But it is not getting at the deeper layer of the fear that we might have. Um, It's usually going to be fear or shame that's below these biases. The fear that we're going to lose tradition, the fear that someone is going is trying is out to get us, you know. Especially if we came from a traumatic uh, childhood or our parents were um, traumatic to each other, you know, divorce or, or just really hard growing up. Man, is that hard to not see the world from a conspiracy bias, you know, or or hear someone talk and. You can hear them be absolute resolute about how they view the world and people are out to get us and we need to be strong. And if they're not with us, they're against us, all of that. But underneath that is going to be a good dose of, this is how I understand it. Okay. A good dose of fear, but also a good dose most of the time of trying to understand the right thing. In other words, if, if I can give people the benefit of the doubt that and, and try to see them as actually trying to do the right thing, to try to make sense of the world in their own way, then I can relax into my heart and hold them uh, with, with some spaciousness. Or I can even hold the ideas in some spaciousness. But below the strength, the bias. So if you have somebody who's really coming from a strong bias, almost always is going to be fear and shame. Sometimes connected, sometimes one is going to be bigger than the other. What are your thoughts about
3: that? I agree. I think that's that's, that's really true. And it made me think, I wonder if it's easier to see, and I mean, this is a rhetorical question. I think it's easier to identify and locate bias within others quicker than it is within, you know, one's own self. And maybe that is that process of that, you know, next level, next stage of life. Uh, Roar talks about the second, you know, second, that second stage of of just uh, being able after you've gone through order to disorder and to reorder where you start identifying your own bias. And then, which I like what he says, is in the sense of just not taking yourself so damn serious and just realizing, oh, that's just my bias. And I see it like that. And, okay, I see things like that. It's just the way I see it and I get that. And then you maybe being able to step out of yourself, maybe that's a process of reorder. But I love yeah. the whole point of fear and shame because I think you're absolutely right. I think that where it's like we're being shaped often by negative space.
0: But it's but the only thing I would say to that, what you said, Fred, I, I agree with um, a lot of it there. I think it's really good points. The only thing I would add to that is the fear and shame that people have, that's below the biases is not necessarily negative. Uh, it could just very well be a part of human development, you know, because we all have fear. Of not belonging to a group. Belonging to a group is super important for human beings. To belong to the family, we often need to feel that we are one with our family. Even if, if, even as a young kid, if we're intuiting that our parents are doing something wrong, um, you know, we will often overlook those things for the sake of wanting to belong to them. So. Um, yeah the fear and shame are there um i think in some ways just by virtue of being human uh but so so that gives us a little bit of freedom i think and compassion to see other people um to see ourselves like like just as an example um if you have somebody who grew up in a very small town and everybody in that small town, they don't leave their doors open. I mean, locked. they don't lock their doors. People know everybody else. Everybody is the same color. Most people are of the same religion. Not only do I know you, but I know your parents, I know your grandparents and I know your home where your homestead is. And then, uh, so that's a really beautiful container. Um, now, that's going to create all kinds of biases that I'm not going to be aware of if I'm from this community. And then, if I get transplanted to the city where it's heterogeneous all over the place, people of different colors, cultures, creeds, ideas, um, where traditional va- va- values hit against modernity, hit against postmodernity, and everything is just flying. I'm going to have incredible amounts of fear. Uh, And I might have some shame because I don't know where I belong anymore. That doesn't mean I'm bad or the cabal made that or (laughs) it's just it's just by it's just human nature. And I'm going to have my biases are going to be emphasized. It's just going to be that much stronger in order for me to even. Understand who I am. If I don't have a sense of identity, that's the worst pain anybody can go through is I don't know who I am. I don't know to whom I belong. That Those are the strongest pain. That's the, that's the hardest, most difficult things for people to ever get through who don't have that. And so I will ramp up biases um, with steroids, you know. And then I'm going to be attracted to leaders that are going to speak directly into those biases and affirm them. Why wouldn't I? Until those biases actually break down because we see the folly in them. But if you're like Fred, you know, an open hearted person, um, and I know you Fred well, and the work that you do, uh, is where you're trying to meet people even if they think very differently than us, than you, um, to be very curious about where they're coming from and what's the underlying energy below uh, their biases that maybe I can see very strongly, but I can be pastoral to them and recognize that it's fear and shame usually operating there. Yeah. Um, So anyways... Did anybody else have any comments or questions before we wrap up this part?
4: Oh, I would just say really quickly, yeah. Things, um, especially with biases, it by the whole biases things um, is a pretty large topic. It can go to you know pretty large scale. I know that the Confederation says that a lot of the world's issues today and throughout history has been due to the different bi- archetypical biases or group races that have incarnated in Earth's density. So we have 16 different civilizations that have all come from different sub-logi, who have all had different archetypical minds. when you mix all of those together, then there's gonna, be, you know, kind of be that clash. Um, and then my other point would um was that, you know, I also learned that we come into our lives with biases that have been developed from previous lifetimes. And sometimes those biases are for balancing. Sometimes we come in with those biases to balance out. And sometimes those biases are also kind of here to help us out. So I just want kind of wanted to throw that in also.
0: Yeah. Very, very well said. And the law of one often talks about biases. in 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 the ways that we can talk about distortions you know distorted points of view or uh it doesn't necessarily mean a negative thing either it's just we have to have these biases people who say they don't have any biases or they want to get rid of them uh well that's not third density (laughs) it's not that you don't have the biases it's just that we become aware of them And then we're less likely to operate from them, or we can receive other people in a more open hearted way. Uh, Troy, you had a a comment or question?
1: Yes. Uh, I'm seeing transferences all over here. And uh, of course, psychodynamic theory uses the concept you're transferring feelings that You had in the parental situation to situations where it doesn't really apply, uh, and you're probably biases are involved in that process too. But like uh, uh, what Demarcus was saying, you know, if you've got a, a past life thing, you're transferring that to the present life that you know and applying it in a way that. May not be in keeping with what's really happening in front of you, but be, but because of your bias, you're you're distorting it. And I'm just I just I'm just saying the concept of transference gets mixed in here too. Somehow I think.
0: Well, I think it's you might even be safe to say it's almost all transference,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: projection and transference. I don't know how it couldn't be. Uh, you're absolutely right. And the, the biases that I talked about today, the big ones, a lot of the biases we may be picking up from past lives or even um, incarnations in other areas in, the, in this galaxy, uh, they might fall into these things, um, but they might also be more specific to us. you know. And ultimately, Ra talks about having to choose a bias A polarity, which is indeed a kind of bias. My goodness, the person on the positive side, for example, and more positively polarized they become, they're actually choosing to understand all of the catalysts that they are undergoing from the bias. the, The bias is to choose to receive all of this as gifts from the Creator to help me understand and use them efficiently to continue polarizing more to the positive path and then of course the opposite would be true for the those on the negative path so that is a type of bias as well Uh, but the biases that i talked about today um the one two three four five six the six biases are one of six of many biases that sociologists have kind of kind of come to be able to lump them in, in certain ones um, to give us some clarity. And I, I, th- I chose these six because I see them so rampant in our society and in myself, you know, uh, I'm talking here from a personal place too. So very good. Um, we have a, a lot to discuss in these presentations. I'm excited to jump in because we're gonna be moving in to uh, the different worldviews next time and that's going to really start to become clear uh, how they operate in our world today, especially in America. Yeah, um, Sirak, you had a question or comment?
4: Yeah, I was going to be quick. I was, I, ju- I had just finished a, um, a seminary course on leadership and one of the, um things our professor role of a leader is to, and these are primarily students in the class that are wanting to be pastors, priests, etc. The role of the leader is to fail the expectations of your congregation at a rate that they can stand. And he was, um, talk, he talked a lot about biases throughout the course and how leadership is not completely overwhelming And just burning down all the traditions or setting up brand new traditions, but discerningly moving people. He didn't have the framework of spiral dynamics throughout the course, but moving yourself and people up the spiral at a rate that is uncomfortable, but it is at a rate they can. On to where they're encountering their biases, but they're able to hold them, observe them, to not react defensively or dismiss them or deny them, but to, you know, just gently get them to hold them and look at them. So I thought that that was a helpful concept throughout the course. Just wanted to add that to your talk tonight.
0: I love that. What a great definition of leadership. That's fantastic. And I think that's also what counselors do <laughs> to some degree. That's what we do, too. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I haven't checked the chats. Did anybody say anything here in the chats? Okay, we do. We have some chat stuff. Um, DeMarcus says, I would say that each has some violet, a balance of both conservative and liberal. They could also be neither as each Abrahamic religion originated in different times and cultures that had ideals different from uh, what we would view today as liberal or conservative. Oh, I think you are in responding to Eduardo. Uh, and Eduardo says, Would ideals or morals stemming from the Abrahamic religions be conservative in nature, or could they also be seen as liberal, or would it be a mistake to even cover them all the lessons under one umbrella? Uh, well, there be both. And a lot of times what we would consider as as traditional conservative religious things when they were actually brought about or instituted, um, that they were quite liberal, <laughs> like super liberal, like liberal enough to get crucified for, <laughs> you know? Um, and the prophets were often very liberal. The prophets were the super progressive people of their time and they were often hated or killed because they were so uh, liberal but then what we're seeing them now, we might see them as, as sort of part of the tradition in conservatives. So, yeah, it doesn't quite fit, um, but it is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, we're going to conclude, and I'm going to ask if there's anybody who would like to close this out. Is there anybody that... that uh, You know what? Uh, Maybe I could ask Barbara, would you read that one more time, very slowly for us? That was such a beautiful way to open up our our group. So if you could say the the welcoming prayer so we can take our week with this.
2: Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotion, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action
0: within. Amen. 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 Very beautiful. So okay, Thank wonderful you. people. We'll see you next week. God bless. Have a good
3: night. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you, Doug. Happy you birthday, welcome. Betty
2: Fresh. <laughs> oh, yeah, happy birthday! <laughs> I
1: forgot! Sonia, we hope we can hear you better next time. Yeah. Yeah. Life. yeah. We're glad that you're here.
0: Yeah, I love that you're here. God bless everybody. Bye.